1: Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your humble, happy host, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's radio show.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure, as always, to co-host the show with you. I'm looking forward to it. I think that it'll be an interesting, um, you know, we're talking about language today. So I think this is going to be very, very useful to all of our listeners. Looking forward to it.
1: I've had, had a lot of interesting coaching calls today um, and talked with coaches and there's you know guys it's not a big surprise it shouldn't be for you long time listeners there's 100% undeniable proof out there that the market's shifting if you guys again long time listeners will know that we've been preparing you this for for this shift for over a year please be very very clear that you will do fabulously well regardless of what direction the market goes I'll even go as far as to say that we're coming out of what's been mostly a relationship-type market. In other words, you get business primarily from the people you know versus a skills-based market, which is the one that we're entering into, which then is combining not only with the people you know. Obviously, that's always a great source of business, but it's going to be uh, the agents with the skill sets are going to be the agents that basically make all the money. We saw this happen back when the real estate market really crashed about 10 years ago. We're going to see it again. It's entirely and completely predictable, guys. It happens every year. I'm sorry, it happens every time we have a new president. This is a completely predictable cycle. So don't be surprised whatsoever that, yeah, we're going into another recession. We're going into another, you know, do I think there's going to be a huge drop in prices? In some markets, yes. But in most markets, no. You're just going to see a leveling off of values. Upper end prices inevitably will drop for the most part. Uh, because a lot of things are different this time around. Uh, I doubt if we're going to see a huge drop in prices. We could, but I don't think we will. Regardless, you're not going to be dealing with lots of appreciation. You're not going to be dealing with lots of, you know, jubilant sellers. <laughs> you know? You're not going to be dealing with all the kinds of emotional greed-based stress or stressors that we've been experiencing really for the last 10 years. And that's great because it will put you guys in a position where once you have the skills, know what to say and how to say it, you're going to be able to help more people. Other agents are going to be running up against the mental-emotional roadblock because they're not going to know what to say, not know how to say it. Not going to know how to get the prices down. They're not going to have your skill set. Again, guys, skills based market versus a relationship based market. Everyone does well in a relationship based market because that means people just do business with you because they know you love you. They know that the houses are going to sell themselves. Doesn't? They're not that picky. That's just the reality of it. It. You know, you. If you're in a seller's market, like for example, you know, virtually all the country has been for years, and the sellers know that essentially the houses sell themselves in less than 30 days you know, it's a bit of a beauty contest, isn't it? It's like, well, how do you know them? Oh, you know them from the club, or you know them from, you know, the park, or you know them from school, or the same church, or whatever. But in a skills-based market, those relationships are still important, but now you're going to have to prove to the seller you actually have the ability to compete and get their house sold in a competitive market where there's lots of other houses for sale. Or you have listings, and the market starts to shift, and you're seeing the days in the market extend and you're feeling the sellers getting frustrated with you. Well, if you don't have a skills-based approach, you know, you're not going to you're not going to last. And that again, entirely predictable. The cool thing, guys, is it's just entirely in your control. So what we're going to do today and probably tomorrow is we're going to talk about 18 deadly real estate sins. Well, more specifically, we're going to talk with you guys about 18 things that you're probably saying well, in other words, you're communicating uh, you know, in such a way that you could alter how you're saying something. You can alter your approach, price change scripts. We're going to give you guys ways to reframe how you say things that will make it so that sellers and buyers that matter will be more receptive to what you're saying. Chances are you're committing all or at least most of these deadly sins, and it is causing you to lose transactions. Words, language, how you say things – critically important, especially when people start creating mostly psychological stress from a changing market like what we're experiencing. So we're going to go through 18 of these points. Julie, before we do, anything else you like to say? Any other shout-outs or anything like that before we get to point number one?
0: (laughs) Well, actually, uh, an unusual shout-out only because they're almost always super on track to the Kenmores in Washington State as well as the rest of their team. These guys have been struggling all year with super low inventory. They listed it sells, they listed it sells, and they just hit the magic number, using our magic number formula from the treasure map, of 25 active listings at all times. And, you know, it's a nice struggle to have, right? You list it in itself. But in their case, you know, they weren't doing price reductions because they didn't have to, and we were trying to build that inventory up to the point. And what's amazing is they'll be able to do more than 350 sides this year, carrying only 20 to 25 active listings at once because of the speed in which they're turning them over. So it's just an interesting model and a great shout-out that they have bumped it up that extra five listings as of this week. So just wanted to share that. Most
1: of our listeners listeners have been blessed with a market like that. Most of our coaching clients have been. When Julie and I sold real estate listeners, uh, we never sold real estate in a hot market. I mean, there were parts of our market that were hot, but for the most part, if you wanted to sell hundreds of homes per year like we did, you were going to be selling in markets where stuff took six months to sell in some markets it might take sixty days to sell, it was just all over the place. But what happens is if you 're spoiled with a market like what Julie just described, you if you ever had them in the first place, you really haven 't gotten a, you don 't have any price change skills it 's like guys you 've got to combine what to say and how to say it you got to be doctor filling your sellers because psychologically emotionally they're going to be train wrecks when they start when the news starts talking about a recession you know it's going to happen when people start talking more about price reductions and the rising interest rates and especially your motivated sellers you're going to start feeling that stress and if you don't have a high skill set and how to communicate with these guys, you're going to internalize that stress. And then you're all of a sudden going to not necessarily love real estate anymore. So, you know, I want you to just keep these things in mind. A lot of the points we're about to give you, these 18 deadly sins of real estate, you know, some of these are going to make you laugh. And if you find yourself laughing, it's probably because you're committing one of these sins. Now, before I get to point number one, I want to remind all of you, you guys are entitled to list as listeners to a free coaching call. So just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Um, you'll speak with one of our enrollment coaches, and you'll walk away from that coaching call with an actual business plan. And don't forget to grab your six free books, perfect time of year, obviously, to get your you know business plan done. And if you haven't done that yet, if you're not one of our coaching clients, no worries. Complete the form that's right there on your iPhone, iPad, computer, whatever, and just put in your name, your email address, and your phone number. And when you do, we're going to email you six, those six books, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, Uh, We're going to email you the real estate treasure map. All those get instantly emailed to you just by completing that form. And you're also going to be hearing from one of our enrollment specialists. They'll call you right back and they're going to answer any questions you have about Premier Coaching. Guys, this is definitely the time of year when all of you need to be thinking about what you're going to be doing to, you know, frankly, get your act together for next year. If you wait 60 days, Chances are you're going to have a terrible spring. If you have a slow spring, especially in a, you know what next year is going to be certainly like, then you might have a slow year. I strongly encourage all of you to seriously take this next 90 days as – think of it as your start of next year. Don't even consider not working the next 90 days. Work harder the next 90 days, but work smart. Don't work every day. You know you can you know take plenty of time off, but make sure you're focused on what matters most. real estate treasure map is gonna walk you through that you get that uh book for free just by completing that form so make sure you do it uh complete the form, get the books emailed, and again drill down. you can listen to past radio shows at any time for more direction on what you should be doing. I think we did a series, what, two weeks ago on basically, Mm -hmm. no, it was last week, on working in the fourth quarter. In other words, work when other people won't work, do what other people won't do, and you'll have what other people never will experience. This is the time of year where you do that. So, again, complete that form. Uh, Request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Let us help you guys. Please put us to work for you so that you can make 2017, no matter what direction it goes, the best year ever. Why not, right? All right, Julie, point number one.
0: That's right. So we're talking about what happens if you don't like calling yourself a salesperson, for example. Change your language so that you'll be more comfortable in sales, and then your prospects and clients will become more comfortable working with you. It's kind of a chicken or the egg type of thing. We hear this a lot on coaching. Well, I'm just not that comfortable talking about sales or being a salesperson. Well, so let's start referring to yourself as something different. It's okay if you change your language around, that's what professionals do. So, refer to yourself as a professional problem solver, a real estate advisor, a trusted home advisor. You don't have to call yourself a real estate salesperson, a realtor, anything like that, if that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. You are a trusted home advisor, a real estate advisor. You're a professional problem solver. All of these things are true, by the way. So we're not coaching you to twist anything around. We're just changing the language to make you more comfortable. Does that make sense, Tim? I mean, I know you've heard that a ton of times on coaching calls.
1: It it does. So we're starting out with the easy ones, and then we're going to get to the more interesting ones. Point number two, Julie, let's get through the first three or four really quick. Okay. Point number two...
0: They get it stuck. What I'll, do you do for a living?
1: It, Go ahead. Okay. What do I do for – thanks. You're going to ask, I'll answer, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's another question you guys are going to run into a lot at the holiday, during the holidays, during parties and whatever else. And some of you guys are going to be – I've been in environments before where some of you guys are really afraid to tell people what you do, and you dance around it. So here's a nice little answer for you. I match the right homes, the right people. Who do you know that um, could use my help buying or selling a property? Simple right? So guys, when you run up against a situation where you're not knowing what to say, just script yourself. Makes sense. It's simple. Point The next point, and this one is very, very critical that you get this one down. How is the market? Someone's going to ask you that. You get asked that every day. I'm hoping you get asked that every day. You're not hiding the fact that you're a real estate person, right? So if you're not being James Bond and being a secret agent, chances are you're getting asked that question every day. And when someone asks you that question, There's only one appropriate answer, and it's the truth. The market's excellent. Do you know of anyone I should be helping buy or sell a home? That's it. Now, I want you guys to pay attention to that last part of that script. Do you know anyone that I should be helping buy or sell a home? Who do you know that I should be helping buy or sell a home? Now, another enhancement to that script, which I really like, or who are the two or three people you know that I should be helping buy or sell a home? When you ask a question like that, I mean, just ask, run that script through in your mind, right? So, Julie, how's the market? Well, the market is excellent. By the way, who are the two or three people you know I should be helping buy or sell a home? And just shut up. And you will be amazed that they'll actually rack their brains to come up with two or three names. They will. Now, if you just have some sort of typical real estate agent answer, you're never going to generate a lead. Now, you don't have to say two or three people. You can say one or two people. Or do you know of anyone that's thinking about buying or selling a home? But if you put an actual number to it, then you're actually going to get a better result. So that's just something to keep in mind. Now, we're going to get into the weeds. These are the most important ones. When you're dealing with buyers, um, you're going to get mortgage conversations, payment comes up, all that type of thing. One of the things that – and these are all like – these are little terminology changes I want you guys to take seriously. So write this down again, point number five. Never say monthly payment. Never say monthly payment. Now, if some of you guys are mortgage guys and real estate guys and gals, that's great, but never say monthly payment. Say monthly investment. When you say monthly payments, what's happened, guys? I'll give you a for example. It used to be, you know, if you're in your 40s, like Julie and I, when you would see something on sale, okay, something that's offered as a discount, it used to be that was a good thing. Your mind would tell you that it was a normal retail product that was basically being, you know, discounted. So that's a great thing. Like you guys remember back way long ago, outlet malls used to be literally the same merchandise that you'd buy at a nice department store or a high-end store. It just basically was overstocked and they'd sell it at outlet malls. You guys remember that? Some of you don't, I realize. Now the stuff that's sold at outlet malls, it was specifically designed and built, you know, made to be sold in an outlet mall. So it's like, you know, Ralph Lauren will have a Ralph Lauren store, right? And nice, you know stuff. And then there'll be a Ralph Lauren outlet mall. The stuff that's sold in the outlet mall, for the most part, is not the stuff that's sold in the retail store. You see what they've done? So the word discount, and you know consumers know that, right? You know that. I just told you if you didn't before, you do now. So what happened is, like for example, words matter. If you say discount, what that implies is less than. It, it implies. Uh, you know something wrong with whatever it is. Otherwise, they wouldn't have offered a discount. But if you're our age, you might actually go into the mindset of how it used to be, where a discount was a normal retail product is priced less. Do you guys get the little nuance there? So pay attention to what actually people are saying to you, and and realize that the you know language evolves, words evolves, uh, change, uh, The words have different meanings as time passes, and and the, these are really important. So the next word, the next one, point number six, Julie.
0: Well, so just to to round out number five, you said don't say monthly payment. You instead replace with monthly investment. That kind of takes care of the whole conversation and is universally acceptable. So point number six, never say contract. A lot of people hear contract. What do they think? Oh, my gosh, this is a long-term, super binding, oh, my goodness type of thing. It's paperwork. Let's put it down in paper. I remember you used to say that when we were putting a buyer in contract. Let's go back to the office and just put it down in writing. Don't say contract. Don't say sign the contract, please. Say, let's put it down in writing. Let's take it off the market for everyone else. That's a lot more comfortable for both you and for them, right? So point number seven, Tim.
1: Well, but look how that word contract uh, slips into normal conversation with buyers and sellers. And every time you guys say it, it literally is creating an obstacle to you helping those uh, people make a sale. Because the word contract implies obligation. Those two words together, for the most part, scare people, and they slow the process. They make them nervous. You're creating tension where there doesn't need to be tension. You're creating stress where there doesn't need to be stress. You know, it's something screwed up with the mindset that most people have about being a salesperson. That's the reason we gave the whole pass with the point number one, allowing yourself to relabel yourself away from the word salesperson. But if I am a salesperson, Julie's a salesperson, all the highest people in the history of history – have always been salespeople. I don't have a problem with calling myself a salesperson, but I realize that especially what's going on in our country right now, being a salesperson is considered somewhat of an, an ignoble uh, profession. You know, In other words, being something that is like a firefighter or a teacher or a doctor or something like that con- has an ability to it. But being a salesperson, oh, my gosh, no one would want to consider themselves a salesperson. So what happens is that mindset about being a salesperson kind of uh, it, it creates uh, emotional obstacles to you being able to help people because you don't realize that what your true job is, what a great salesperson does is it helps somebody make a decision that they've already expressed interest in making, <laughs> you know all, especially when buying or selling real estate, especially buying and selling real estate in a changing market. so a great salesperson, all they're really doing. It's helping somebody make a decision that they've already told you they want to make. I'm going to tell you guys a true story. Uh, Long-time coaching clients, you've heard me say this before, but still it's a good story. Long time ago, like forever ago, I went to a listing appointment in this area called New Albany Country Club. And there was this – he might even still live there. Well, you know what? I'm not going to use his name. There was this mansion, massive, 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 massive house. I'm going to tell you two parts of this story. It's really good stuff. Okay, so he um, called me out. And I was, uh, you know, thrilled. I didn't get a call from him. I got a call from one of his assistants. I was thrilled to go out and and meet with him. And he, uh, I didn't. I did a little research on him ahead of time. I wasn't really. I thought maybe he wanted us to list that big house, which would have been great. Uh, but I saw he just bought it per, recently, so I knew that couldn't have been the case. But then Julie and I went to property records and we did a search on this guy. And he had literally hundreds. I, he may have even had a thousand properties. <laughs>
0: I remember That's that because I normally, you know, yeah. you search and you get like one page, maybe, maybe a house and a rental. But I remember going through property records, going, "When will it end? Are you we kidding me?" I kept on going through page after page. Yeah, I totally remember that.
1: So yeah, we thought it was a mistake. So, so needless to say, you know, this was a while ago. I was in my 20s. I was pretty damn nervous to go on this appointment. So I remember walking up to this guy's door, and <laughs> the door was, I don't know, it was almost like a comic book, right? The door was so tall. It had to be a 20-foot-tall door. So anyway, knocked on the, the big old brass uh, you know door knocker, which is big, probably bigger than both my hands combined. Do-doom, doom doom And guess who opens the door? A butler. No kidding. So a butler opens the door and leads me to the sitting room. Well, the comical experience doesn't end there. I'm sitting in this massive room, and I'm sitting in this massive oversized chair. I mean, the whole thing. I felt like Alice's Wonderland kind of thing, you know? So I'm sitting in this huge room, with this, in this, you know, obviously oversized, custom-made furniture, and I was sitting in this. I remember, guys, I was sitting in this wing-back chair where, I mean, I had to look like I was maybe two inches tall, and this thing was just—you guys get the visual. It was ridiculous. It was fun. It was exciting, but man, I was nervous. Okay, so then they had me waiting in the waiting room or, or the sitting room or the parlor or the whatever the heck room it was. Um, so in walks this um, this guy and this, you know, demure gentleman, British accent, and, you know, he was, I'll give you guys this much information, he was what I later learned to be a very famous cardiologist. Now his uh, affluence didn't just come from being a doctor, he was actually from a royal family from a different country, and I didn't learn that till later either, okay, so those, all these things. So he walks in, and he must immediately sense that I was stressed, (laughs) because he said to me, and I'll never forget this. And this changed my mindset. I Hopefully, it'll have the same influence on you guys. He said, you and I are in the same business. Remember, cardiologist, royal family. Trust me, we're not in the same business, brother. That's what I was thinking. But he said, we're in the same business. We do the same thing. And I said, well, well you know, what do you mean by that? He said, we're both salespeople. And I thought, okay, you know, tell me more. And he goes, well, I'm a cardiologist. He said, I have to help people make decisions about heart procedures that they don't want to make. In other words, he, you know, he's a uh, a cardiologist, and then he refers people to heart, you know, surgeons if that's what they need or whatever. And so he said, I have to spend my days explaining to people why they have to make difficult decisions, and explaining to people and helping people realize the importance of how to go about, you know, taking care of themselves. And I thought that was fascinating. And on a side note, he also went on to tell me that he intentionally chose to put his office in a place where he'd done the research ahead of time, and he knew there was a high percent of people with insurance and also a high percentage of people that smoked. So he was very strategic in where he chose his office, just as an aside. So, you know, that very moment, I realized that what I'd read in books like The Richest Man in Babylon and other books like that, I realized that that is living, breathing proof that the highest paid, you know, most skilled, most needed folks in the world are salespeople, and it's not just like what I had been told, societally. So here I was, a successful real estate person, but I had this sort of societal chip on my shoulder because I too believed, at some extent, that being a salesperson was an ignoble profession. I actually believed that. I'll even go as far as to say both Julie and I were raised to believe that. Would you concur, Julie?
0: Yeah, I would. Nobody ever talked about, yeah. you know. I mean, sales at all, much less being a salesperson, much less being successful at it. So, yeah, and I think that that's a common experience for most of our listeners. I, don't, I can't recall anywhere in school or college or any of that where people talked about, you know, it would be great to be a salesperson. Do you know they're the highest paid people of any profession? Nobody ever mentions that to right. you. You just have to live it no, they and don't become part of that. Right. No, it's crazy.
1: Well here was this extremely wealthy, extremely, you know, global. You, this guy was just magnificent. Very, you know, famous cardiologist, helps people. And he was telling me that he thought of himself as a uh, salesperson. Now, guys, if that doesn't rattle your cages a little bit with the realization that a lot of us carry this burden around of thinking of ourselves as less than because we have to learn sales skills, you guys, I'm giving you permission to lose that because like this guy, he had to realize – uh, that he had to learn how to talk to his patients and in such a way that they would do the actual procedures. In other words, he had to know how to sell to them what needed to happen for them to solve their problem just like you do. But look what happens in our industry. We don't learn. Most agents don't learn sales skills. Most agents don't them, uh, refer to themselves as salespeople. Most agents basically are very ineffective at their businesses because they actually refuse to actually accept the fact that that is what they do. Isn't that interesting? You know, mm-hmm. if, if you are at that point in your career in your learning, and you're learning, and you probably are, by the way, where you're not feeling like you're making the forward progress and you're not understanding why, chances are this is like the number one thing, the thing we're talking about right now. And so what you do then, once you've embraced the fact that, okay, I am a salesperson, if you want to label yourself something else because it is more socially acceptable, go for it. You know, if you want to be politically correct and not call yourself a salesperson – expert home advisor or whatever, do whatever it is that makes you comfortable. Frankly, it might be necessary for you to relabel yourself because it makes the people you want to do business with more comfortable because if you present yourself as a salesperson, in some cases, and I respect that you guys might be in this situation, they will actually not want to do business with you. They'll be afraid of you. They'll not understand you. They'll be intimidated by you. They'll believe that a salesperson somehow grabs people by the arm and twists it until – you know, they (laughs) comply. That might be their impression. They might think it's an ignoble profession. Do you guys understand? So yeah, if you got to change it up a little bit, change it up. But that doesn't mean that you can't get really good at communicating. So when it comes to these little terms, this is why it matters. That good doctor back when I was, you know, when Julie and I already were successful selling real estate, but he actually helped me with that tiny little conversation, go to the next level. Okay, now I was going to give you guys a side story for that one, Julie, and let's get one more point down, okay? Here's a side yeah. story. This is a true story. Okay, I told you guys a little bit about this guy. I'm not going to say any more because I know we have a lot of listeners back where we used to sell real estate. This guy was from a royal family, like I told you, and he was from an Indian royal family. Now, as in from India, when he was looking for a house in New Albany Country Club, he told me, and, that, and, and he said one of the reasons he chose to do business with us – and I'm going to put all these pieces together for in a second. And he ended up, by the way, doing many transactions with us. Not only did he do many transactions with us, but he actually funded transactions for us
0: when yes, people couldn't right. get
1: mortgages. He actually sure. became a lender for us, and it was beautiful. We could do deals that other people couldn't do, and other agents were like, how can you get those deals done? Well, it's because we had him in our back pocket, you know, and, and he it just dozens of transactions with him. And he told me that the reason that he origi- he called me out, if you guys were wondering how I even got that sit down in the first place, was because we called him back or his assistant back right away when they called us on a property that he was considering buying as an investment property. We called him back right away. And the second reason was is because he knew we had listed and sold a uh, property that belonged to an Indian family that he knew – and an adjacent community, and they, and they respected us and loved us. He told us that when he was looking for a multi, multi-million dollar property in New Albany Country Club, that because of his name and because of his accent, when he would call, personally call, he said no one would call him back. So I want you guys to remember that story uh, because they were being, whatever, inefficient, let's just give them, let's just not even use, you know, let, let's just assume there was nothing else going on. They were just being lazy with their lead fault, which may have been all that it was, but because we weren't, we did business with this guy for years and years and years. So it's these tiny, tiny little things that hopefully you guys get from listening to our radio show. All right, so the next Deadly Send, Julie, I think we have time for one more.
0: Yes, we've got – well, these these are fairly quick but important. Point number seven, never say buy. Replace that word with invest. And related to that, point number eight, never say sold. How many I've sold? You replace it with how many families you've served, how many families you've helped, how many families you've helped to move.
1: Hover there. Hover uh, there. Yeah, go ahead. Hover there. So that one's changed. When Julie and I sold real estate – you'd always say another home sold, or you'd say sold another one, or you'd say sold on your real estate sign. So the word sold, real estate agents, if you guys have been in the business as long as we have, used to walk around with pins, women and – well, I mean, it was women, right? I suppose men could have done this as well. I kind of talked myself in a the corner there. But, yeah, they'd walk around these, like, cubic zirconia pins that say sold on them. You guys, if you've been in the business as long as we have – there's a lot of really fashion atrocities out there that you guys can pick up at these real estate conferences. Any of that, the word "sold" has become a bad word to use societally right now. So don't use it on your sold on your sold signs. Replace sold signs with another family served or you know welcome to our community or whatever. Don't use the word "sold." Sold implies something bad. I don't agree with it. S- selling something is a good thing, but. For the most part, the language that's popular right now in our culture makes the word sold a bad thing. So if you say, I sold 100 homes last year or 500 homes last year, trust me when I tell you you're turning them off. So you want to alter that. and say we helped you know, 300 families find a home last year. By the way, who do you know that we should be helping buy or sell real estate? You guys get it? All right, next one, and this is our last point for today. Never say deal. And this is something I hear happen all the time, especially with you guys in Manhattan. You always talk deal. Now, the word deal has, is, is basically fingernails on a chalkboard, very similar to the word sold to most normal folks that aren't in the business. Deal has a negative connotation. It sounds like the boiler room. It sounds like the used car lot. At least that's what people think. So that is another word you guys need to let go of and replace with an opportunity. So I have found a deal. Don't say that. Say, I know of an opportunity. Don't, you know, when you're working with buyers, change the language up. Change, bring up, edit. I'm, no. Are we asking you to be politically correct in some of these terminology changes? Yes, we are. Now, do I like it? No, I don't. <laughs> Neither does Julie. But what difference does it make? It's not our job to try to get people to be like us. It's your job to put yourself in a position where you can help as many people as possible. And if that means you have to play the language game a little bit, play it, but play it to win. Play it to win. Play it so that every single person that you have the opportunity to do business with he wants to do business with you. And then obviously you've got to backfill with a skill set. So we're going to pick up on the next eight points tomorrow. Julie, any other thoughts you have on this topic or well, on Friday, I, whichever day?
0: You know, it's the difference between saying to somebody, when do you plan on moving? Or, you know, who do you know who wants to meet as their agent versus how I've set a goal of helping three more families buy or sell real estate this month. Who do you know who I could help? doesn't that just automatically feel more comfortable, more friendly, more enthusiastic, less confrontational? You know, I I think, you know, to wrap all of this up, I think really your point, Tim, is take what the market is willing to give you, and if they need a softer approach because of the nature of things, I actually believe it's a better approach overall because it keeps, if you watch this language that we're talking about over these next podcasts, what we're doing is we're helping them stay in the mindset of service, of being served to of being of service to others, which takes that whole kind of icky salesperson approach, which is why they don't say these things in the first place. If you can replace that with simply being of service, naturally you're going to attract more people. You're going to be more comfortable with your clients. They're going to be more comfortable with you. They'll be more comfortable referring their friends and family to you. So I think that this should be looked at at really as a sigh of relief on many levels. Yes, it's a bit of political correctness, but once you get over that and you just – put the icing on the cake, I'm here to be of service. Everything is so much easier. So many coaching clients have said when they got this, the business just became easier.
1: And that's what we're here for is to make
0: it easier and smoother.
1: Guys, look, the next point, point number 10, I am absolutely positively uh, wanting to present this right away, but I know a lot of you guys don't pay attention for the whole 30 minutes, so I'm going to hold it off because the next point, the next two points, honestly, are probably their life-changing points once you get it especially the next point. So make sure you guys listen uh, to the next part two of this show. And then we've also got a series that's coming up that I've been working on that I'm really excited about for all you office managers, team leaders, rainmakers, anybody who's in a position of being a boss in a real estate environment. We're going to give you guys some rules to follow to make it so that basically you can lead your troops effectively. And these are some rules that you've never been exposed to, especially from the real estate realm. I assure you, these are things, guys, that I have learned from – uh, honestly, I've learned from my Navy SEAL friends. I've learned from some of the guys that I know that are ex-Marines. I've learned from people who've been true <laughs> leaders in true leadership environments, not just because they could pull off an effective office meeting. So that's going to be next week or the week after that. But we've got some really rock star quality shows. Hopefully, you guys will agree with us coming up. Tune in every day. Listen every day. You guys have made this the number one listen to real estate show, podcast, as far as I'm told on iTunes, on you know, something. This is the only show that's specifically made for real estate agents about being a successful real estate agent. The fact is a realtor, an individual practitioner, the, you know, the really effective broker and office managers, you guys are the heart and the soul of the business. The brokers that are the most successful in the industry, the brokers that are really the ones that are going to lead, the, frankly, for the next probably 100 years in the industry, they're the ones that understand that they're not truly in the housing business. They're in the agent business. So, you know, it's fascinating to me from coaching a lot of these top producing office managers and brokers and even team leaders, they get that. They understand that they're in the agent business, not in the home selling business. It's a mindset shift. If your product becomes producing really stellar real estate agents as a broker or as an office manager, look just to see immediately how your, your focus shifts from some sort of, you know, we have to sell houses thought to we have to make really great agents that know how to sell houses. So these little shifts, these little language shifts, like we're sharing with you guys today, mindset shifts, when we tell you guys it's not literally, none of you have to make a 1,000% increase in effort, a 1,000% increase in knowledge or skills, you have to make usually 5 or 10% increases. Like when you guys were listening to those points, some of you go, well, ah, that one's good. I already say that one, like Julie said, you know, the paperwork thing. I bet you guys a lot of you already do that. But how many of you do all of those things? And they're, they're not huge shifts. They're just tiny little 3%, 5% shifts in what you're already doing. But the accumulation of all those little shifts, guys, if you've been stuck at 25 houses forever, as a lot of you guys have per year, and you're wondering how you can go to 50, it's these tiny little you know, 5%, 3% shifts in, the, in everything that you do. So just get marginally better. And pretty much everything you do in the real estate business, and the accumulation of all those small little baby steps, adds up to something really magnificent. If there's ever anything we can do for you, please feel free to email Julie and I directly, Tim at timandjulieharris.com, or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. Any ideas, any concepts, any interviews, anything that we should be exposing you guys to? I got an email right before the call, Julie. I'll send it to you. If somebody's giving us a suge- suggestion for a show topic. We're gonna, I'll take it seriously. We probably will do something on it. Anything like that, guys, communicate with us. Let us know what we can do to make your lives easier. Being a real estate agent is a blessing. I promise you we're coming into what's going to be a very challenging market for, maybe real estate, for many real estate agents. Do not get suckered into the belief that you cannot be successful no matter what direction the housing market is going. The headlines, the real estate news, the fears that most people will have have nothing to do with your success. You can pave your own path. You can actually decide what your future is going to be like, and you do not have to be dependent on what other people think, what other people you know, have essentially imposed on you as their beliefs of what you can accomplish in your life. Have an open mind. Ask for help when you need it. Take action all the time, especially when you're supposed to at work, right, schedule, and ask for help. Tim at timandjulieharris. dot com or Julie at timandjulieharris. dot com. In the meantime, guys, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. Your homework, as it is after every radio show, is to share this radio show with everyone you know. Thanks.
0: This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. dot com.